Welcome back to another episode of DC TV Classics, your home for the history of DC on television. I am one of your hosts, Keith Chow. Thank you for joining us for another episode of our wonderful little podcast. Uh, once again, I am joined by my lovely co-hosts, Desiree Rodriguez. Hey, Desiree. Hey, guys. How you doing? Um, better now that my cats aren't trying to kill me. Well, that's always that's always good when when you have you know Batman had the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> Whose voice is that? Well, well, you're going to find out in a second. Uh, before you find out, I want to introduce back to the podcast. She took a she took a brief vacation from the show. Uh, Brittany Monet, what's up, Brittany? Hey, not much. How's it going? All right, welcome back. We missed you last time. I know I missed you guys. I was really sad. I had to babysit super last minute, and mm-hmm. no one else could watch my little cousin. So I spent the whole day watching Lilo and Stitch with him. <laughs> well, that's you know, the same thing happened to Batman one time. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say super last minute sounds like it could be a good nanny superhero. You know what? <laughs> I think I think we have we have a new musical we could probably write with that. There idea. you go. Oh, all of we're our bad, musicals were super last minute. <laughs> yeah, but and have Brittany Coleman play my part because I can't sing; she can sing. Yeah, she can. So, sing. so regular listeners of DC TV Classics might be wondering, <laughs> what are all those voices on the show? Usually, we don't hear twelve different people talking on the podcast, and that's because we have a special episode lined up for you today. In fact, we took a little bit of an extra long break between our last episode and this episode, primarily because we have so many freaking people to talk to today. Uh, I'm going to throw it to you, Brittany, because I think from the beginning of this podcast, you have been waiting and dying to do this particular episode. So why don't you take it from here and tell us who we have on the phone with us today? Well, if you guys are usual listeners, you know that I have been like chomping at the bit to talk about Holy Musical Batman, which is my personal favorite Starkin musical. If you don't know who Starkid is, they are basically an internet theater company, and they've done the Potter musicals featuring Darren Chris and uh, Me and My Dick, which is another like personal favorite. So they're here with us from Holy Musical Batman. We have Nick Lang, who's our honorary host, basically. Oh, hello again. <laughs> and then we have the title character of Holy Musical Batman, Batman himself, Joe Walker. Hello. And then my actual favorite version of Superman is Brian Holden. So welcome, Brian. Hi, everyone. Thanks. That's a that's a high honor. Thank you. And then a good friend of mine who is sort of kind of like Batman, but not a musical <laughs> Batman, is Kurt Mega. Yes, I am not part of Starkid, but I am a fan of Starkid. I love Batman, and I love the people who made it, so I'm just here to talk about how much I like your guys' stuff. So I'm just a fan, guys. Did you never sing as Batman? Have you, you you never has sung as Batman? No, that's that's never been a thing I've done in any kind of comedic capacity. So I feel like I, find that ironic. I, have, I have much to learn. <laughs> So um, f- fans of fans of DC TV classics might want to look up, uh, and you pr- if you if you know this podcast, you probably already know this video because it was a pretty popular one on YouTube. Kurt Kurt does a pretty pretty good Christian Bale Batman uh, voice, and, and my my connection goes to Joey, actually Joe Moses. Uh, I Joe Moses and I have done a Batman thing for a while, so a different incarnation of Batman over there that's semi disjointedly connected to Starkid. <laughs> you know, and I'm 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 tempted to just like I think we should all just do the rest of the podcast in a Batman voice, but you know we'll see. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll oh my see. god we'll I see couldn't how... handle that that hurt, our... hurt our throats and the listeners ears yeah probably yeah. Uh, I haven't smoked enough for that so not the <laughs> the reason why, why we wanted to finally do this Holy Musical Batman episode is because this week uh, finally the Supergirl Flash crossover is happening in which uh, the rest of the podcasts are going to get together and do their own musical crossover. So Supergirl Radio and the Flash podcast are doing a live streamed uh, podcast, I believe, right after the Flash shows up this week. Um, so we wanted to tie in. This is our little contribution to the musical crossovers in the DC TV podcast family. And uh, Holy Musical Batman, uh, I believe it debuted in 2012. Is that right? Was that uh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think that gives it classic status, right? It is now something that we can talk about. You can find it online on StarKid's YouTube channel. Uh, and there's another connection to the uh, Supergirl Flash crossover in that Darren Chris was one of the original members of StarKid, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. And he's mm-hmm. going to be the music meister, I think. That's right. We, we had called it on the podcast the first time. Yeah, was yeah on. you did. I was like, well, he can just be the music master. And then Nick was just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a bad idea. I thought we could get somebody better. God. This actually was really funny. My, my friend Val messaged me, and she was like, I know you guys are going to have, like, Starkid on and time with the music master episode. And she was just like, well, why didn't they cast Brian Bolden? Because he's a villain all the time, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, why weren't you in the flash? I was just about to ask the same thing. Brian, they, what is it? What they called me. They called me and I said, I'd prefer not to be on TV. <laughs> you know, I, I have a friend who needs some work. Let me call Darren. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you know a guy who's been down on his luck lately, Darren. <laughs> Uh, an, another connection to the uh, the current DC universe on the CW with Star Kid, I think, is Carlos Valdez, who plays Cisco on yeah. the Flash. Can you talk a little bit about how he fits into the Star Kid family? Well, he uh, he wrote some music for um, our show, Me and My Dick, which I think Brittany mentioned earlier, and he also played in the band for our first official Star Kid show, a Very Potter musical, and uh, and he's just like tremendously talented. He did. Uh, he also did. Like at the end of Twisted, we had a, a pop track of one of the songs, kind of like in that Disney style. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Disney is or Twisted is another uh, musical that we did, um, sort of parodying a lot of Disney properties. And he sang for us on that. And yeah, he's uh, he plays Cisco Ramon on The Flash, and he's incredible. He's awesome on that show. Desiree, you are uh, probably the biggest DC head on the podcast. What was your uh, initial impression when you, when you, uh, you know, knowing your love of, of um, you know, the Bruce Timm universe and, and D- Batman the Animated Series, when you, when you first saw Holy Musical Batman uh, before, for the first time, what was your initial impression? Oh, gosh. Um, you're bringing me back to when I was, like, in high school. <laughs> um, oh, that makes me feel young now. Um, I, I, really, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I was a fan of Star Kid because I had seen the, the very – um, very Mary Potter, Potter Potter musicals. Like I had a friend, and she was like, "Do you read Harry Potter?" And I'm like, "Girl, come on." <laughs> um, and she's like, "Well, you got to watch these musicals." And I watched them, and I, I instantly fell in love. And uh, and she, she actually predicted that Darren Chris would get cast on Glee because we were both like really into Glee 
and oh god um so yeah when when Holy New School Batman came out because we were both comic fans she was like oh my god did you hear Starkid's gonna do like a Batman musical and I'm like this is how I know I'm blessed in my life so thank you um but no it was it was a ton of fun um I loved all like the different like references to like the different eras of the comic books and such um I loved Superman he was he was a trip like I think one of my favorite scenes in the musical is where he's talking about like his villains versus Batman's villains. And, uh, <laughs> That's basically the the joke of the show, really. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Star Kid, we call that a sit down scene, and yeah. it's where it's where the character it's where there's absolutely no action, but the characters just sit down and deliver a monologue about the property that they're parodying. Uh, <laughs> it happens in every show. Uh, it's the sit-down scene. It generally is yeah. the highlight for the for the sort of die-hard fans of whatever it is that we're making fun of. It is, I think it's the high point, you know? It's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah because we you basically yeah. just sit down and talk about comic books for a scene (laughs) yeah we usually have a sit-down scene and then also if an actor is really lucky they'll get a lie-down scene where they lay lay down the whole scene and no jumping off of desiree's point about um kind of you know you have to you do have to have a deep love for for the batman character and all of its various incarnations uh i i when i watched it i think i i took a lot out of you know i think there was definitely a lot of like the sixties Batman influence, a little bit of like the animated series influence. But the one thing that I thought about recently, uh, after watching the musical again and then seeing Lego Batman, uh, was, did they give you guys any, uh, uh, writing credits in the movie? Because basically Lego Batman took a lot of the same themes that was in the hello musical Batman. I felt, um, I, I, I've actually not seen Lego Batman yet, but I, I really want to. It's I have good, either. man. Yeah, it's fun. It's great. Nick and I went and saw it. Um, it's good. It's it's a lot like our show. Yeah, there <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of jokes. I'm just that are shared. Well, it's mostly the jokes that are right. that are the same. You know, technically the plots are different. A little yeah, bit different. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a little different, but it's a lot similar too. I love um, you know, Nick, your take on Robin is is a very unique take, and. Uh, yeah. And you know the the whole idea of the the orphans bonding and, and Batman kind of being a jerk. Um, yeah. The other the other recent movie that I thought took a lot from Holy Musical Batman in the other direction was uh, Batman versus Superman. I, yeah, I thought there, there was <laughs> there was also a lot of uh, influence in the uh, in the Zack Snyder film. What did you guys think when you uh, like? It's basically the 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 Bizarro version of of Holy Musical Batman in that yeah. you have murderous Batman, but instead of singing catchy songs. It's, yeah, it's well, just yeah, like... they, they messed it up because there aren't any songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zack Snyder is an old friend, and yeah, and really, <laughs> so you were, the, we, you were the ghostwriter on it. Yeah, we yeah. said, you know what, Zack, you know what we think would be good, and we, what we think would play really well in your cinematic universe is uh, is these sort of themes, you know. And you're gonna want to desaturate it, all right? You're not gonna want to see. <laughs> You're not going to want to see a lot of color in your superhero movies, okay? And what would be better is if Batman did shoot and kill people. And and I, I would have preferred I would have I would have preferred in Batman versus Superman if everyone wore the briefs with the white outlines. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah I can't yeah. believe they got that, rid of those. That would have been nice. Probably are more comfortable been nice. that they were wearing. <laughs> yeah, Brittany. I still love that movie. No, I know, and I, I that was I should apologize to all of the BVS. 
uh, fans out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Re- the, Rebecca on the, the Super BBS stands. Yeah, I know that Uh-oh. was it. Was it was too? It was too. <laughs> it was I too actually thoroughly. I mean, I have complaints, but I did enjoy myself during that movie quite a bit. I am a fan of when of um, of like really mean Batman. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, so when he goes around shooting people, I'm kind of like, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> um, seeing as that he's just a person and yeah. not a god. Sure. Um, yeah. No. So, there, there is a scene in like Teen Titans Year One where he just kind of like smacks Dick Grayson across the face. Like it's actually it's really sad. Like it's it's really sad and kind of mean. Like. I- yeah, I think one of the the, the the weird things I have with that movie is that unlike has anybody here seen Logan? Yeah, yeah, not yet, yeah. not yet. Which is so brutal and violent, but like it kind of goes, yes, this is the movie we're doing. Whereas Batman vs Superman is like brutal and violent, but still like PG thirteen. So it's like <laughs> this weird thing of like, hey, it's still a movie you can bring kids to, but it's just like, yeah, dear yeah. God, what did they? And so it's like a weird <laughs> thing where they don't. They well, don't you know go all the, the way, uh, but it also, I don't know. The extended version is actually rated R. Yeah, that's true. I haven't, oh, really? I haven't put myself through it again. Well, well you know, one of my yeah. favorite gags from Holy Musical Batman, um, or, well, really it's just one of the gags I saw most recently, because whatever I see most recently is my favorite gag. <laughs> um, there's a scene when Batman and Robin first hit the streets, and it's a, it's a song. And basically one of the jokes is that they just... The music sort of stops to let them mercilessly beat their villains, right? And it's kind of it's like is a little dark. If we tried, I think you know we tried to <laughs> let it go. Maybe another five or ten seconds past, like when you're stomp zone. when you're stomping on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where yeah. it's like we we you know I don't remember the actual puns that we throw out, but it's like you know your days are. Well, it's not the calendar man. What, what do we what do we say? In in the calendar man, it's calendar man. Your days are numbered, which I think is a pretty good pun. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic. But that was after yeah. that because then you start beating up the thugs and and yeah, and, and then and then stop. they beat people up. Egghead. Yeah, I think one of the main jokes in Holy Musical Batman was how badly they beat people up, <laughs> <laughs> like how Batman. Like, you know, these people, some of them are just, you know, misguided, like, they're down on their luck, and they turn to a life of crime out of desperation. Right, right. And then Batman cripples them for the rest <laughs> of the Yeah, as though, yeah. Not, as though not using bullets is some, you know, judgment of, of, of like, yeah. you're not a vicious it, it's, person. Yeah, it's a moral high ground, it, yeah. If, if you mess up somebody's knee... That's they'll carry that injury for the rest yeah. of their life. You might as well just shoot them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, Batman is fine. Yeah, but I also love how he shoots the guy who who forgot to return the dollar bill to the cash register with his Batwing. That's that was a scene right out of Batman versus Superman. Yeah, um, he's he, he uh, kind of our idea was that Batman. All, hates everybody and is just looking for any excuse to to you know to, to hurt people. Them. So, so I, I yeah. wanted another thing I wanted to get at, and you know we're kind of like jumping all around in the musical. It's fine; we don't have to go in chronological order. But uh, when you mentioned the first time you see Batman and Robin show up, um, in I guess that's the end of Act One, or is it the beginning of Act Two? I don't remember. But end of Act One, yeah, yeah. yeah the you have you also have the citizens of Gotham who who ex- express their. Uh, 
um, opinion about Robin. And I love how, like, I think two of them are dressed in, I, I think purposefully dressed in Christopher Nolan Dark Knight t-shirts. And yeah. I, is that yeah. was that your play on, like, at the time... I mean, someone someone mentioned her like Batman stands, but like you have a very specific type mm. of internet fan who who has a very specific vision of what Batman's supposed to be. Is that was that who those characters are supposed to represent? That definitely we because at the time, um, you know, it was kind of it was during like the the Nolan franchise was still going on, and a lot of the people um, said that Robin was a stupid idea. A lot of fans online were like, Robin doesn't fit into the Batman <laughs> universe. And, uh... Like, like the Batman universe Nolan was creating? Yeah, that Nolan gotcha. was creating. And I, I feel like, in general, at the time, everyone, a lot of Batman fans were really big on the Nolan version. So they were, like, Robin's stupid in general. Everything else sort of got pushed out of existence in their in their minds. Yeah. Even mm. though Nolan ended up doing a version of Robin in, <laughs> right. the, in his class. <laughs> yeah. He and, the Robin. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, his version of Robin was probably not the greatest either. So maybe that but was that was Nolan's the only commentary. Robin whose actual name was Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not even the real Robin's actual name is Robin. <laughs> yeah, That's what I didn't like about that. They're like, what's your middle Look, name? that doesn't make Robin. sense in a gritty, dark Batman. <laughs> in a gritty, dark Batman, the guy's name has to be <laughs> Robin. It doesn't make sense otherwise. I changed my name. Wait, what's your social security number? Hey, these numbers, when applied to the alphabet, spell Boy Wonder. <laughs> They stopped Dick Grayson. Wait, what's that? Yeah. Or if he was, um, he could have just yeah. called him like, "My name is Richard Todd Drake" or something. Uh-huh. You know? yeah, if they were going to blend them all together. The movie is John John Blake. John Blake, John Blake which is yeah. so close to Tim Drake. It's like, why not? Well, he was basically like this weird combination of the right. three like dude Robins because. He was a police officer like Dick was, and then he was an orphan like Jason Todd who grew up on the streets or whatever. And then he was—he figured out who Batman was just by like seeing him one time, like Tim Drake. Right. Like they could have just picked one. There's been like five <laughs> Robins. I like yeah. that they turned them all into one guy. Yeah. What do you guys think of the the uh, potential theoretical uh, Nightwing film directed by Chris McKay, the director of the Batman film or the Lego Batman film? I think it's I would a great love idea. to see a Nightwing film. I Nightwing yeah. is one of my favorite characters. I'm literally looking at yeah, a Nightwing graphic novel right now. Uh, <laughs> it, it yeah, so I, I've always loved. I mean, and the animated series did such a good version of Robin. And then when they switched animation styles and like, I think they moved networks or something, and they got the new Tim Drake in, and then they started being like, yeah. We've got Nightwing in this animated series now too. I was like, "Whoa, cool!" <laughs> and that was uh, that was the that. mullet. Under, that was the mullet Nightwing. The Hood. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one with Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing, I really dig too. Oh, I don't know if I. Am Which one was that? That, one. that was the animated that was movie. That was yeah. an animated film. He played. Yeah, oh, and cool. Animated film. Jensen it's really Apples good. played Red Hood in that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, was that the Under the Red Hood that they made? Yeah. yeah, and it's because of that movie that fans are like, Jensen Ashville should play Jason Todd in the movies. And I'm like, he's like 40-something, and he's going <laughs> to like just perish on Supernatural. Let him live. Yeah, <laughs> Supernatural has another 10 seasons to film, so I don't think they're going If you guys haven't seen uh, Batman and the Red Hood, it's really good. I highly recommend it. It is really good. Well, Desiree, right. you, you are, uh, on top of being a BVS stan, you are probably the, the world's leading um, 
you know, expert on all things Robin. So what, what yeah, was your, write a book one day. how would, how would you rank, how would you rank <laughs> Nick's, uh, Nick's version of Robin <laughs> alongside all of the classic Robins that you, uh, that you love so dearly? Now I feel like I'm on the spot. Um, <laughs> Don't worry fine. about it. You can say he's the worst one. You, <laughs> no, you can choose whether it's a ton of fun. Like, um, you know, I just, I liked how there was a certain like affection for the Robin character, like, there was, obviously, you know, because it's satire, there was a lot of poking fun at the character, but it didn't feel mean, like, which I enjoy, because, yeah, the classic Robin with his little green, you know, not panties, like, it's it's a weird costume, <laughs> it, it didn't age well, but, like, he is an important part of the Batman mythology, so I liked that that was kind of, like, you know, acknowledged, like, yeah, like, he's his partner, and it's weird, but it's it's cool too. Like he needs to be there. Like Robin is a character that needs to be with Batman because otherwise he's just a rich cranky guy that needs to go to therapy. Like if you remove <laughs> the family aspect, you right. know, there's not a lot left to him. Well, I do I do appreciate that in the musical too. That you know, as as much as you were making fun of the relationship between Bruce and Dick, but there was like like Desiree said, there was like an underlying kind of affection for that relationship too, wasn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like we actually didn't make fun of the actual relationship right, right, all right. that much. It was, it, I mean, kind of making fun of some of the uh, other just the realities of two people going out, beating people up for fun, <laughs> um, dressing up, all that is all that is kind of made fun of. But the actual fact that, you know, they're both lonely orphans, uh, like, without any anybody but each other yeah. that was kind of un untouched i feel like except yeah. except at the end when we acknowledge that all superheroes are lonely orphans <laughs> yeah yeah you know, i was gonna say too just purely as a fan and like observe observe observing you guys work from a distance i think the reason uh the show works is as a person who loves great parodies of things that i love mm-hmm. i always kind of find it problematic when like a parody is like born out of just pure like let's just totally shit on a thing because right. doesn't it suck and it feels like although you guys definitely point out the more problematic things it did come from a place of like a deep appreciation and enjoyment of what these stories are and to me that's what a great parody has to be it's not just a let's make fun of something because it sucks but like no no we love this thing but also like let's talk about it in detail and so to me that's yeah. why i think it works and stands above a lot of other just like internet-based parodies of yeah. superheroes, which tend to just be like, okay, so you think it's all stupid. All right, well, okay, <laughs> appreciated that. No, it's it's the it's the Weird Al take on parodies, right? Because the, whenever you listen to an, you know, and I'm showing my age, but, you know, back in the day when Weird Al... <laughs> I love Weird Al. Yeah. You know, Weird but, like, you never got the Weird sense... Weird who? <laughs> <laughs> you never got the sense that uh, he was, you know, deriding the things he was parodying, right? Like... You know, yeah. whether it was a Michael Jackson song or a Coolio song, right? Like you got a sense that he really appreciated the, the the musical style he was parodying, as well as whatever the subject matter was. And that's that's the sense I get from your parodies too. It's that like you have to have a deep love for the source material, one to get it right. Because I feel like mm-hmm. you know, there's so many in jokes that if if you don't have at least a pl- passing knowledge of of the material, you're not going to find it funny. But those and those of you who do have like, you know, a connection to the material, it's like h- hysterical, um, and that's what I think Kurt's right. That's what sets you guys apart from a lot of like, because there are you know there is a there is a genre on the internet of let's just crap on something, 
and and there's a meanness That's basically to the, the internet. internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say a portion, I mean the whole thing. Yeah. Of, of like, let's just crap on something because it's fun to do, and and you and you you don't feel like any kind of affection for the thing you're crapping on because you're crapping on it. And what you guys are doing is not crapping on something. You're actually no. you're, you're displaying how much you do enjoy that thing. Yeah, I think that's um kind of why I also liked the the Lego Batman. Mm-hmm. I thought it was similar in in that respect that you know you can tell that those guys really have a uh, a love for the story of Batman and uh, and for the character. So you know we certainly. You know, we grew up with it. You know, we wouldn't waste all of our time making making these things. Right. It's, unless we like them. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny, though, how the Internet does seem to be popular with people who have a lot of time who hate a thing. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But, Brittany, you... you mean, like, society in general? Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> Brittany, you, um, you're probably the biggest StarKid fan on the show right now, and that includes the people in StarKid. Um, yeah. <laughs> How did you how did you discover them and and like what brought you into like their orbit? Well, you know, I was one of the people who did find out about Starkid because of Darren being on Glee, but my discovery was like not like, oh, let's go see what everything Darren has been in, which is usually what I do with like actors that I'm a fan of. <laughs> you and, stalk them? Uh, is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, what are you admitting, that. Brittany? What are you admitting? No. <laughs> <laughs> um it was, you know, like Tumblr and like fandom on Tumblr started to like, you know, slowly become a thing. I was watching Glee. I almost auditioned, which Kurt knows like, like a little bit. I almost did the MySpace auditions, but I didn't yeah. do it because I didn't think I was good enough. So, oh, don't think like that. <laughs> I didn't audition and I really liked Glee. And um, they actually used to film Glee at the community college I went to. And I actually saw Amber Riley and Chris Colfer one night, but it didn't register my head at that moment that it was them. And I was just like, <laughs> in class. And I thought they were just a normal, like, musical theater, like, group of kids. So I just walking until I realized. because yeah, you want to stay away from kids like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was running late to class. Oh, so. God. It's the musical theater kids. Theater kids. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so, um, on Tumblr, I kept seeing, like, screen caps of, of Darren in this, like, I knew right away that it was Harry Potter, but I didn't know, like, what exactly it was, and so I, you know, went to YouTube and looked it up, and I watched the, uh, a Harry Potter musical one, in one night, the next night I watched, uh, a Harry Potter sequel, and I loved it so much that I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch their other show, Me and My Dick, and that one, at the time, ended up being my favorite show. And it watching them made me really like regret not auditioning for Glee and just like giving up on what I wanted to do. And so um, the following like fall semester, I actually registered to like get back into theater and acting for my at like my school. And uh, then I I went, but I went to the Starship screening in LA, and I met. Everyone here. All of us. Yeah, yeah. Fun. Uh, that's what I was getting at. I wanted. I mean, the, the story was inspirational and everything. I just want to know when did the the stalking start? That's that was that was the point of the question. <laughs> well, um, I just want to apologize well, and, for encouraging you to get back into theater. Yeah, yeah. This we, you know, you made me realize we have a lot to atone for. <laughs> well, Mike, I was my connection to you guys started with just working with Darren on set. 
and he was literally writing Starship. He was doing the music for yeah. it. And he was on set, and he was like, hey, you like musical theater, right? Because we've been talking about shows. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm writing this music. Uh, come listen to like a song. And he played uh, Beauty. And I was like, this is cool. So I kind of found it accidentally, but then realized that friends of mine had already been watching the Very Potter musical and been like huge fans of it. And I was like, oh, this is the thing they were talking about. So yeah, kind <laughs> of came cool, to man. it in a very personal way. <laughs> I, I definitely forget, Kurt, that that is that that's how we know you that you came into yeah. our lives kind of through through darren and that that group I first i, I met yeah. you the first, first time i saw you you were like wait did you do that did you do that concert in in chicago the, you, the one on tour yeah the tour the glee tour yes yes yeah, that was I, that was fun i saw yes, you that's where i met gigantic yes. um like you know <laughs> Hundred thousand person arena. That's Just crazy. doing a little stadium tour. That's all. Yeah. Oh yeah. I saw you on that stadium tour. <laughs> but yeah, that's like. And so I remember. I think it was. I guess it came out in 2012. So I had I had already gotten to know some of you guys. And so yeah, when it came out, I was I was I remember sitting on my couch and going like, wait, they did one about Batman. Right. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is everything. So uh, that's fun. Because Kurt, you you're a you would consider yourself like a huge Batman fan. Um, yeah, you know, I, this is gonna get me in hot water with people, but I am a huge Batman fan, pretty much exclusively from the cinematic side of things. In so okay. much as as a kid, I never read comics, and I I'm I'm not proud of that, and I've started to get into it. <laughs> it's fine. But like, no, you're, yeah, you're in a safe space right now, Kurt. It's all good. I just like never. I don't know why. I just never. It was never a thing I had <laughs> access to or even knew much about. But growing up as a kid, my favorite thing ever was the Adam West Batman show, and I yeah. watched it religiously yeah. every single day. Yeah. I got in trouble because I'd acted out with friends and students in the nursery, and I didn't know the difference between playing and reality. I wanted absolute commitment to the characters. Uh, so, you know, I've been always a fan of Batman. Said, Kurt, put that fake shark away. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, yes, I am a diehard Batman fan uh, since, since being a little, the very little child. Who here so, actually read Batman comics under the age of 12? Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, I don't know. Desiree, Desiree is a pretty uh, hardcore uh, comic person. Although you came, you've said this before, you you came to comics fairly late too. In terms of you were you were um, your gateway. I think you talked about this on the David Walker episode. Your gateway was the animated series. Yeah, uh, Teen Titans and like X Men Evolution. I mean, I read comics. I read like manga when I was in middle school. So about like right. Like, no, no, no. 12, but 13. Right, right. But, yeah, Batman comics, I didn't start reading until probably high school, like yeah. when I was, like, maybe I, 14, 15. That was the same with me. I don't think I got into into Batman comics until I discovered, um, you know, I, I think I read Watchmen in my freshman year of high school, and then I was like, wait a minute, I like, um, I like superhero comics, I think, and then I sort of... <laughs> Worked. I, I worked backwards at it. The only actual comic book I ever picked up as a child was was Spider Man comics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm probably in the same boat. I'm I might be the oldest person on the podcast right now, but uh, when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I I didn't really <laughs> read comics regularly. I grew up in a town that didn't have a comic book shop. Um, you had to buy comics off of like a newsstand. And I read like G.I. Joe comics. What's that? Yeah, exactly. What the <laughs> hell is a newsstand? I read G.I. Joe comics as a kid. I actually preferred G.I. Joe comics to the cartoon as a little kid. But my exposure to Batman was like Kurt's. I watched the uh the Batman sixty six show uh 
in reruns. I was not. I'm not that old. It was. <laughs> yeah. I, but I yeah, did t- watch TV Land. Played it every day <laughs> yeah. at four o'clock. Right. They played two episodes back to back. That was my yeah. introduction. And then they had the Tim Burton Batman uh, movies, which put me over the top. Like when when Batman '89 came out, I was I was twelve. And I think that those yeah those may have been my my sort of first Batman was Bat- Tim Burton Batman because I remember at the age of three or four rem- thinking that the coolest thing that could ever possibly happen on the planet is a, a armor plating going over a, <laughs> a yeah, that's right that was my favorite thing and then the Prince yep. music you know that was that was I, I didn't know who Prince was until I was much yeah. older I yeah. just realized, actually, I going back even farther, my love of Batman, when I was, like, four or even, like, three maybe, there was a kid that my mom used to babysit who was, like, a lot older than me, but he was a really cool kid, and he was really nice. He always played with me, and he had this really cool bat cave that his dad had made him that was, like, the size of, like, a large truck tire. I mean, it was this huge, elaborate, intricate, like, like he not made a dollhouse, it? but a bat cave, yeah. That's and he awesome. had like hundreds of Batman action figures and, and the villains and all the characters and this incredibly just intricate, elaborate, like his entire room was like stepping into the Batman world on like a micro scale. And I remember as a kid, like him, like being like, you want to play Batman and just like going into his room and just like being like, this is the coolest fantasy escape world I've ever been to. And so I think that was actually my first introduction to it was like Batman through action figures. Mm-hmm. And then that translated into like being able to watch stuff, you know, as I started to like grow up and what, whatnot. But uh, yeah, so maybe action figures are actually my first. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Too. Um, I mean, I always say action figures is my fandom. Like I'm not really a comic book reader or a movie <laughs> watcher or a TV show. My thing is action figures. So I would I would probably be in that same boat. Uh, one thing I wanted, I did want to ask Nick. You were you were responsible for the actual story in the musical, right? You wrote the book. Yeah, my brother and I. Was there was there a particular reason why the? Uh, I mean, because essentially it was a commentary on the DC universe. You know, you had Superman and you had various Justice League uh, cameos throughout. But why do you think Batman as a character was the hook into telling that story? Was that always the case going in? Will you ever revisit the DC universe from a different lens? Well, um, actually, you know, for me growing up, like I, I did grow up, uh, reading comic books from a very young age. And, you know, when I was a kid, um, is when kind of all of the, in the nineties, when all of the superheroes were ending, um, like Batman got his back broken and mm-hmm. there was the whole night fall, a Superman got killed um, Spider-Man was a clone. Wolverine got his antimantium pulled out. That was a crazy. Time. It was like a, a crazy <laughs> time when they were like, "Uh oh, we got to sell comics. Kill all the heroes." <laughs> and, uh, Which hasn't changed so, in the last twenty years, but yeah. No, now they all just yeah. fight each other. <laughs> yeah, now they fight each other. Yeah, that's the big thing. Um, or but, they fight themselves. Or they fight themselves. There you go. Yeah. So, like, uh, and around that time, you know, the Batman movies were coming out, the Tim Burton ones, and the animated show started. Mm -hmm. So just in my mind, Batman was the main hero. I was like, Batman is the king of all superheroes. Um, He's, it was just, you know, cemented in my brain that, the real superheroes, Batman, everybody else spins out from Batman. And, but uh, then I started to get older, 
and I learned more about the characters' histories and things like that, and I saw the (laughs) Superman movie. I didn't see the Superman movie until way later in life. I grew up... Is this the the Christopher Reeve one? Yeah, the Christopher Reeve one. And so I was like, why isn't Superman the main one? (laughs) Superman is the first... He's the first one, and he's like... He's the most powerful. He's, you know, he's the guy, and he's the nicest one. And then, um, so when Matt and I, uh, when I was in college, we kind of did these silly shows, and I did one of The Hobbit, and then um, I tried to do one of Superman. I tried to do a Superman show that got rejected by the theater uh, board that I was submitting it to, but my, my thought was that I wanted Brian <coughs> to play Superman. And, uh, but it didn't happen. And then we did the Harry Potter shows and my brother and I were like the natural sequel to Harry Potter is Batman. Of course. (laughs) And so we were trying to like crack a, a Batman story for a long time. We, it's like my brother and I, most of what we do for fun is make up movies of things. And we've made up, I don't know how many movies of Batman throughout our lives. Uh, but when you make a parody of something, it's it's a whole different beast because you have to kind of comment on the thing that you're uh, making. You can't just make a straight-up Batman story. You have to, right, right. in some way, say something about Batman. <laughs> so, kind of, we were like, let's make a story where, like... With Batman and Superman in it, and Superman is more powerful, and he is nicer and all this stuff, but for some reason, everybody likes Batman more than him. (laughs) Even though he's a jerk. (laughs) Even though he's the meanest guy in the world. (laughs) And it was just kind of this fun idea of saying, both Superman and Batman are jealous of each other. Because Batman is jealous that Superman is more powerful than him. Because Batman just about crushing his enemies. And Superman is jealous of Batman because Batman is more popular than he is. And better liked. And Superman's trying to always be nice to people. And he's like, why don't people like me? Why do they like this jerk? And uh, then it kind of came in the idea of saying... Batman is a loner, and we were looking at the Chris Nolan movies going, like, remember when Batman used to hang out with Robin and how, like, he was a lot happier? Because also, uh, I I grew up, uh, my brother and I lived in Saudi Arabia for a while, and we only got, like, two TV shows that played there, and one of them was the Adam West Batman. So, again, we grew up watching watching that big time too so we were like what if the story then is also about batman who's this lonely angry guy meets robin and he loves robin but then the whole world hates robin and thinks (laughs) that he's stupid because they like it when batman's mean and so it it kind of the story kind of came from there what i love holy musical batman (laughs) <laughs> can I can I say too something that you just said, which I think really strikes a chord, is that between like that and even like the Lego Batman movie, I find it interesting that 
after the kind of just incarnation of Batman in the last eight years of being so heavy and so dark, that, like, there's actually more that can be, like, gleaned from, like, of what Batman is and what it means from comedy sometimes than just, like, the uh, incessant, like, darkness and violence. I mean, again, sometimes that's fine, but, like, I just find it interesting that both between your show and between Lego Batman, I find much more, like, of an interesting commentary on what it is than I've even gotten from, like, the really introspective dark Batmans that are, like, supposed to be all about deeper meaning. So that's the cool thing about comedy. I think it lets you say a little bit more sometimes. And Desiree, you've you've written about this a lot on the internet. and just The idea of, like, the whole family notion and that aspect of the Batman mythos is what tends to be missing in, like, adaptations, but is actually a core tenet to the to the comics is batman yes he's a loner but he's he's surrounded himself with all of these people right desiree he's yeah he's like the worst loner in the world like (laughs) the only other person who's a worse loner than him that has a reputation for being a loner is like wolverine like yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting because they both have these reputations for being like these ultra masculine you know lone wolf like you know um male power fantasies but really like in there i mean and there have been stories in their canon that have definitely reinforced that um the the 90s were a dark time um (laughs) but then like you think about it and for me like the the most interesting aspect of dc comics has always or at least one of them has always been like the theme of legacy and family and how they built it up over time um, so, you know, you have Bruce who lost his family, and the only family he had growing up was essentially <coughs> Alfred. But then he he sees Dick Grayson, and he sees how this boy ended up becoming an orphan, and he takes him in. And then Dick grows up, and he becomes his own person. And then he takes in Jason Todd, who grew up on the streets, and, you know, he adopts him. And then Jason dies, and then, you know, Tim Drake shows up, and he's just a punk kid, and he's like adopt me next and bruce is like okay (laughs) and uh you know and then he stops being robin for a little bit and then you know stephanie brown comes in and then you know she dies too because of course and um, it's a terrible job to have yeah it's a terrible job to have i don't recommend it if a billionaire offers to adopt you you should run for a hiring manager trying to replace the robin (laughs) (laughs) casting session these all these orphans are like stay away Bruce Wayne please <laughs> um, one of the best memes Don't actually to come out of BBS was uh, when Bruce goes and he like holds that little girl in the beginning and everybody online was just that I saw was just like oh well there's our new Robin <laughs> stay away like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah watch out but yeah like for uh. me like and, and you know I, I have written about this because it's it's an interesting theme I feel because like it doesn't just exist with Batman it exists with like Superman. Um, it exists with, like, the Flash family. Like, one of the things I like about the TV Flash is that they introduced Wally, and they emphasize his connections with, like, <laughs> Joe West and Iris West and building up his relationship with uh, Barry now, because Wally is an important part of that legacy. And, you know, hopefully eventually they bring in Bart Allen and, you know, they continue that. But I did want to come back to I- one of the points that Nick was making, and it's this idea... The kind of rivalry between Batman and Superman that's evident in the musical, but also evident in, like, fandom and the real world, right? Because I think one of the things DC and Warner Brothers has had difficulty cracking over the years is how to make Superman as popular as Batman. Um, You know, part of the whole reason they inserted Ben Affleck into what was ostensibly a Man of Steel sequel is because they were like, 
uh, Superman can't do a movie by himself. Let's throw Batman in there, and that and that's kind of like how DC is, you know, has been viewing the whole Batman Superman thing. Is that like Batman is clearly the most popular of all the superheroes. Superman isn't for some reason, even though Superman was the original. I want to ask you, Brian, as um, Brittany's favorite Superman, why do you think? What do you think is so difficult to crack about Superman as a character that you guys, I think, touched on really, really well in the musical? Uh, what do I think is so well? I mean, I, I think one thing is that it's just Superman, and in his nature, is like so super powerful and invulnerable. And invulnerability isn't a great uh, story, like way way to look at a character in a story. You know, you want your characters to be vulnerable, and so the best Superman stories are when you see Clark's or Superman's vulnerability like really, really come through. Like, um, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, there isn't one, and maybe that's what the problem is. Can I say, um, as a as a kid, one of my favorite shows that I watched with my mom was The Adventures of Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. yeah, and that's, uh, which old, that's the great show. Old school, but like the thing, the thing, because I always felt that as a kid of like this idea of like, wait, so Superman's just this guy who can do everything. The thing that that show like did well for all its like '90s cheese is it like makes it more about his personal like relationship life and like how yeah. he is kind of a human still. And so yeah. for me, like that show made me be like, oh yeah, okay, so Superman's like a real guy, and even though he can do all these things, like he still doesn't know how to, you know, do this. And so, yeah, I think finding the humanity in him is maybe one of the more challenging things in that character. I agree. I, that's for me. I've never honestly really liked Superman until I saw Holy Musical Batman, which is <laughs> why Brian is your favorite Superman. Yeah. Yes. Now that's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that all, uh, well, maybe not everyone, but in general, anybody who's written a Superman story is kind of aware of the fact that they've got to bring some humanity to it. I think what is funny and also particularly good about uh, Holy Musical Batman, Superman, and Brian's performance in particular is that it is such a pathetic side of humanity uh, that that he also shares. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, Superman, he loves just like a human. He's not a human, but he still feels love, and he still feels, you know, duty to the heartland of America because he was raised on a farm, and isn't that nice? But it's like, yeah, but he's also, like, pathetic, just like people. Yeah. He's and that's really nice. You know, you see pretending, that. Like, pretending yeah, people are on the phone in the back background right like all these things that that are even more hidden you know but because we all hide that pathetic selfish side of ourselves even though it's like basically what runs our brains and uh um you know i I like that so much about (laughs) about old musical batman (laughs) that's why sometimes like the uh the old like in the justice league cartoon the flash in that show is awesome because they play with the humor of the flash they're like this guy is a doofus and andy's dumb and (laughs) he like uses his powers for silly things you know like pretending to be santa for a day like that's yeah that's fun it's like you gotta you gotta play with like these characters being funny and and being stupid in comedy in particular is like it, it is a good way to say to the audience like Look at look at this character and like how they struggle with basic things like whether or not they have friends or you know what it's just a good way to debase any character and it works particularly well on Superman 
who is a who can only be debased when he's around a green rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or um, technically magic, but they don't use it that often. So yeah. Oh, my jersey came out there for a second. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's, yeah. it's interesting because I actually I really really love Superman. Like I love the mm. character, and it's like you said. There's a there's. It's hard to make him interesting because everybody just sees like he can punch things really 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 hard, and basically nothing hurts him. You know, but that's what there's some stories like Superman All Seasons is one. Um, up, Up, and Away, which was a mini story in Action Comics and Superman Comics, is a, is another great story because he, he lost his powers for a year. And what I loved about it was that it didn't change who he was. Like, even Clark Kent or Superman, and I think you saw this in Lois, Lois and Clark, too, um, he always wants to help people however he can. Mm-hmm. So in, like, Up, Up, and Away, he's still helping people. He's just helping people by, like, being an investigative reporter. So with or without his power, Superman's just a guy that wants to help people. <laughs> Superhero comics are so interested in, like, you know, the punching. Like, let's make them fight mm-hmm. giant robots, you know? But that's not... You know that Superman's going to come out of that. Like, it's more mm-hmm. interesting to see his personal life, like, you know, getting Lois to like him, you know, and things like that. Like, those things are more interesting when you when you go into that. Like, instead of, you know... How is he going to beat this bad guy? Well, he's Superman. Like, <laughs> even even if he's going to go up against Doomsday, that was still a punching match, right. you know. Yeah. Well, and I I, I, did, I also wanted to you know since we're talking about Superman, one one other thing that separates Superman and Batman that gets touched on in the musical is the idea that Superman's rogues gallery is crap and Batman's is awesome. Um, yeah. and, and, and actually, he actually has uh, a, a fairly well-known cast of characters in his rogues gallery. When, uh, when you watch the musical, is there a particular villain that stands out for you guys? Um, I mean, of course, Sweet Tooth was... I, I also wanted to ask you guys a question about Sweet Tooth, now that I think about it. Were, did you intend to um, use the character from that old 80s cartoon, or... Um, no. No, you had no, no idea he existed not. when you um, created. When we were uh, making up the story, uh, we were really struggling with what to do with the Joker because the Joker already is such a funny character, um, and especially when you have people like Paul Dini writing Joker <laughs> stories. Uh, you know, my my favorite Joker story is is all the stuff that Paul Dini wrote. I love Mad Love. I think it's probably one of my favorite comics that there is. And uh, Joker is, and you see like Jack Nicholson playing him and things like that, and Mark Hamill, and he is such a funny character. When you make a a parody of him, you don't want to make a less funny Joker because it's like. How how are you going to compete with that? So we chose not to include the Joker in our show and instead make a joke on the Joker, which is a joke on the Batman villains in general, which is they're all so famous and so beloved and but they're all guys that make they're all like people that make puns about their (laughs) theme you know like Catwoman goes perfect and stuff like that like even the Chris Nolan Joker 
like one of his first lines is he comes in and he goes, I thought my jokes were bad. And he starts going like, let's not blow things out of proportion. And he's got a bomb and stuff like that. You go like, even Chris Nolan Joker is making dumb puns. And so, so we were like, let's just make all the villains speak exclusively in puns. So that's probably... One of the scenes that I'm most proud of in Holy Music Batman is the villain scene because every single sentence that they say <laughs> includes yeah. a pun on their theme. And we were like, when we were writing that Superman scene where he complains about how Batman's villains are so famous and people don't know who his villains are, he's like, you know, he one makes the point that Batman's villains are more famous because they kill more people than Superman's villains. And it just means that Batman is a less effective hero. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was also saying, like, Superman goes, like, they're all just dumb pun things. And and then he goes, like, the next guy's probably going to be, I don't know, what's the dumbest theme I can think of? Uh, Candy. A guy who kills people with candy. And so then the bad guy becomes basically the joker but he's a candy themed guy who comes in and he kills people with exploding candy and right. stuff like that and we made up sweet tooth as part of the joke of going like what's the dumbest themes we can think of we were like thinking how batman villains are things like the Scarecrow or the Mad Hatter, who are, like, <laughs> literary figures, but for some reason, the Mad Hatter has mind control powers, and it's like, what, this is like a crab bag. Or evil so, Sherlock uh, Holmes. Evil, yeah, <laughs> evil Sherlock Holmes, evil King Arthur, evil Mother Goose, stuff like that. And we just really liked oh, the get yes. of a guy who, whenever he said a candy pun, he pulls the candy out of his jacket. Yeah, that's a great gag. And we were like, if we can get that gag to work, it's going to be such a dynamite gag. So we thought we made up Sweet Tooth. We were like, <laughs> so stupid, it could never actually exist. And only after we had committed to him being the villain did we go like, oh, wait, there is actually a Batman villain named Sweet Tooth. So we were like, I can't believe that the dumbest thing we could possibly think of (laughs) actually existed in Batman. I mean, yeah, to be fair, to be fair, I think that evil King Arthur is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that's an amazing story to hear, though, because the way I took it, um, watching the musical, and then when Sweet Tooth shows up, and he is very Joker esque in the way he 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 carries himself and the way he talks, um, and I instantly knew that Sweet Tooth was a character from the from the he he wasn't a comics character. He only appeared in yeah the, in, in the that, old like 80s that one cartoon. episode. Yeah, yeah. And the reason, but the reason I know Sweet Tooth, and I might have shared this story on the podcast before, is that when I was a child, I we used to have a VHS copy of Jackie Chan's The Fearless Hyena. And um, back in the day, when you rec- when you put a piece of tape over a, a part of the VHS tape, you could actually record over it. And we had I had recorded, or my dad or someone had recorded over the end part of Fearless Hyena a bunch of Batman cartoons. And the one Batman cartoon that was on there that I remember was the Sweet Tooth episode. 
And in the in that cartoon, he's this really obese. He looks like Louis Anderson, if you guys know that stand-up comedian. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with yeah. like a captain's hat like a purple and a purple sweater. And he talks like Paul Lind, who was like a, a, a comedian from the 60s and 70s. And, and he, genie. Yeah. And he speaks in puns. He speaks in candy puns. But what I thought the commentary you guys were making, by including a sweet tooth who acts like the Joker, is this notion that whenever a live-action uh, villain – uh, debuts in a Batman movie, he acts like the Joker. So, like, the yeah. uh, the Riddler and Two-Face in Batman Forever don't act like the Riddler or Two-Face. They both act like the Joker. Um, yeah. yeah. So I actually thought that was the commentary you were making. So even if that wasn't intended, that's the way I took it. That's oh, the great. good observation. So from yeah, now on, you should tell people that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. <laughs> oh, we totally we knew should. about the Sweet Tooth guy, and we just wanted to make this commentary <laughs> about the Joker. Yeah. But, um, no, that's great. That's a fantastic story, though. That you had no idea because you know the name even was the same, right? Like, and it's yeah, it's the same name, killing people with candy. Yeah, it's just like I think when you think about it, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> when you imagine <laughs> what Batman villains are like, you're like, oh, for sure, there should be one named Sweet Tooth who kills people <laughs> with candy. Um, it, it, also, it also shows how ridiculous a lot of Batman villains are, right? And there's like a similar joke in Lego Batman when the Condiment King shows up. And you think, yeah. clearly that's not a real character, but like, lo and behold, there really is. Yeah, he's real. <laughs> kills he's people real. Hype man, all those people are real. <laughs> yeah, the, it, which is another joke that in Holy Musical Batman we had where uh, Sweet Tooth is, is like, let's bring out all the bad guys and then like vicky vale comes out and starts saying how there's a wave of crime from all the worst batman characters like calendar man and clock king and stuff like that <laughs> False face and so oh yeah it's just interesting that we both thought of the same joke yeah, it happened <laughs> which is there's some dumb bad guys <laughs> okay i actually this one is for both joe and kurt though have you guys ever tried to like out batman each other <laughs> oh no and can you no, do it right I, now I, on the show i fully defer to joe because joe you've actually played this character in a real capacity i just made stupid videos online and did it on stage with with moses hey, Kurt, but, that's uh, what i did too <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, that's uh, actually exactly what holy musical batman is um yeah I, you know i'm not sure how one out batman's another because they are very different bat bat men um, <laughs> The version that I that I was doing for a little while was just more of a like a commentary on Christian Bale's specific like take on it. Yeah. But I feel like your take was just more of like a not broad, but like you it felt like you you created something a little bit more original, whereas mine was I think just like making fun of his voice is basically where <laughs> I started. <laughs> I did I did sort of try to make I I look at my Batman as kind of a Frankenstein Batman. Uh because the show itself d- takes that approach mm. to different uh, eras and styles of Batman stories and comics. And it's sort of all synthesized by the existence of the show itself. So, you know, there are scenes scenes where it was, you know, more of a Michael Keaton Batman. And there's scenes where it's a little bit more of a, you know, 60s, 60s Batman. And and, and thank God for Chris Allen's uh, uh, Michael Caine impression. Otherwise, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. to join us, actually. But he had oral surgery, so he couldn't 
uh, make it for the podcast. Oh, that's, oh, that's if right. he, but he can only as long as he only does it in a Michael Caine voice. I think is the only way. Because <laughs> that he's was got amazing. a killer Michael Caine. <laughs> that was amazing. It's so good. It's funny. Well, that, and again, that's why I was saying like I appreciate what you guys did with it because it felt like you weren't just ripping on like one thing or one. You kind of took the character as a whole and made it something very different and original, and I think made it more like relatable because it wasn't just like oh this is. This is making fun of a particular thing, so I like—I really like what you, I like what you did with it, Joe. And I, hey, I thank you. My only regret is that you guys did it before Dark Knight Rises came out, because otherwise, I would love to hear your take on Tom Hardy Bane, because I think <laughs> he, his his character was perfectly tailored for your show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, it'd be a whole it'd be a whole new a whole new wrinkle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joe Moses, Joe Moses has a great really has a great Bane. Oh really? So you yeah. maybe Nick, you got to go back and and do a sequel, just just to we were, have just to have a bane. We were talking about a sequel called The Dark Knight Reprises. Oh, you mentioned that <laughs> on the last podcast you were on, I think. Yeah, I talked about. Oh, that. that's so Crapface. Still the uh, yeah the bad the bad guy was going to be a guy named Crapface. Uh, um, <laughs> love Crapface. <laughs> who uh, it's kind of like Clayface, but he has crap for a face. <laughs> <laughs> Again, as long as you incorporate Bane, he was kind of like Bane. He ended up being like Bane because we made it up like right after we saw that <laughs> movie. So, you know, he was kind of like Bane, but he he uh, he didn't sound like Bane or well, do anything. You just need, you, but that's the whole point. That would be sort of, it. Would be like, stupid without you have to have the voice. You know, you can't not have the voice. Um, that face is voice <laughs> a lot more like the bug from Men in Black. Like, <laughs> he sounds like, I'm crap face. Oh, I'm crap face, Batman. Yeah. Chris <laughs> Allen is a very good crap face. And he made crap puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no it, Lego Batman did Tom Hardy Bane. Did they? Was there a Bane? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh that's right. That's right. They, but he, he looked like comic Bane with a big puffy jacket, right? Yeah, he yeah he he kind of had the comic Bane face. He had the big puffy jacket, and he had Tom Hardy voice. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, he he was cute. I wanted for those who are in Holy Musical Batman, what uh, how Hogwarts house would you sort your character into? Ooh, that's a good question. We should have led with that question. Oh, I think Superman's probably a Hufflepuff because yeah. he he's um, a little lame and just wants to be friends. Thank you. I'm a Hufflepuff. Hey, Hufflepuffs aren't lame. <clears throat> in my, in, sorry, in my opinion, they are. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I mean, Batman's a Slytherin, right? That's got to be. No, he's the no. good guy. <laughs> did you? Sorry, did you? Did you Wait. watch Holy Musical Batman? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. One sec. I'm come back to me. Um, what about I Robin? Think that, Robin is definitely a Ravenclaw because that's the bird-themed house. <laughs> but also, that's all um, that matters. Yeah, I, I, I think he's, I think he's kind of a Ravenclaw. He's kind of, he's a very thoughtful young boy. Especially um, your that, take. I feel like your take on Robin was like, yeah, our, our take on Robin was we wanted him to be like Batman in that he had such a rage inside of his body um, from seeing his parents being murdered. and uh, But he he was very methodical about letting it out, except when he started to bash 
um, villain's heads in. Um, he he. <laughs> it, that's when he starts to really like let out all of his pent up frustration, and he cries when he's doing when he's fighting. But yeah, I think he's a Ravenclaw. I think Batman's a Gryffindor. It's uh, it's a little bit complicated, so I'll just lay it out for you. I think that the whole story of Holy Musical Batman, specifically that version of Batman, is Batman coming to terms eventually with the fact that the lust for power is empty. And I don't think that Slytherins ever decide that their lust for power is empty. And so, and then there's the whole... Like, isn't there a whole thing where you basically, if it's like, if, you know, if the if it's like 50-50, you get to choose? <clears throat> mm-hmm. so, or at least the the hat takes you, takes your desires into account or something, right? Yeah, it takes your desires. So it's kind of one of these things where that whole phone call with Superman at the end is when he finally just lets go mm. and admits that uh, he's a good guy. So you would, so you um, would, you would so say that he a, starts as a Slytherin and ends up a Gryffindor. Yeah, yeah. The whole, it's the whole the whole show is a metaphor for a sorting hat situation. Yeah. Holy sorting hat, Batman. Uh, Kurt, I guess since you weren't in Holy Musical Batman, what about your your Warbler character? Which which Hogwarts house? Oh man, going? I feel like I'm terrible at this because I, I don't know I don't know characteristics of Harry Potter houses that well. Uh, I don't know. I had no. I I had no character development on the show. I did nothing, so, <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll put you in. I'll put you in Ravenclaw since warblers are birds. Uh, I was gonna say you, my fantasy. I suppose. I suppose he was more of a Ravenclaw than anything because <laughs> it seems like that fits my personality. So right. I'll just use myself. What about Agent Kurt Mega from Spies? Oh, he's Pro- definitely <laughs> a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> well this is we could probably keep going but we're we're now hitting close we're actually we're over the hour mark so i don't want to hold you guys up any longer can you um, quality content. yeah it's quality content though um can we go down the row and and share your social media handles with our listeners uh, we'll start with you kurt how can people find you on the uh world wide web yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm just on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, just like at Kurt Mega. Uh, and I also have a podcast called Story Matters, where we talk about stories and storytelling and creativity and all that kind of stuff every week, which is just called the Story Matters Podcast on wherever podcasts can be found. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, Brian? Yeah, my name is Brian Holden, and that is pretty much my handle on everything. Uh I'm not really on Twitter right now. I'm taking a break because it's absolutely satanic. And, uh, <laughs> but every now and again, I am posting on uh, Instagram. So if you like that sort of thing, that's where you can find me. Joe? Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> my, I guess Twitter is a good, is a good place to find me. Um, I don't I don't use much social media, and so it's all kind of it's all kind of lame when it comes to me and that. But yeah, I still use Twitter because I'm old. So at Funkwalk, I think is my Twitter handle. Yes, which he's also on Musically. Back to middle school, he's a different name. No, sorry, what? He's also on Musically. He just has a different name on there. <gasps> musically. You are oh, it's a whole it's me. a whole wormhole. Never mind. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm old. Sorry guys. And Nick, um, yeah, I'm just Nick Lang tweets on Twitter. I also have not been tweeting much 
recently. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life right now. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I haven't been tweeting too much, but if you want to look at StarKid, you can just look up StarKid Productions on YouTube. Uh, if you search Holy Musical Batman, you should be able to find the musical Holy Musical Batman. It's on Twitter as well as at Team StarKid. And uh, how about you, Brittany? Where can uh, folks find you? You can find me on all social media platforms at Hi, Brittany Monet. Desiree? You guys can find me at uh, latinasmediasmusings.wordpress.com, and that's where all my stuff and social handles will be. And I've been Keith Chow. Find me on Twitter at the Real Chow with underscores between the Real and Chow. Also follow the Nerds of Color at the Nerds of Color and on the Nerds of Color dot org. Uh, tune into our podcast Hard Knock Life on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can subscribe to DC TV Classics via iTunes as well uh, and Stitcher Radio. If you do, please rate and review us. Follow us at DC TV Classics and follow the entire podcast family at dctvpodcast.com. Uh, this has been like probably the best podcast we've done so far. So I want to give a big shout out and thanks to Nick Lang, Joe Walker, Brian Holden, and Kurt Mega for joining us on DC Thank TV you. Classics. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, you guys. Uh, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you, and thank you thanks. out there for listening. Thanks. And uh, we're going to just keep thanking each other until we fade to black. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And, I'm, I'm glad somebody said that we were going to keep thanking each other because I was thinking about thanking, and then I, you know, I wanted to make sure we were all doing it. Thank you. <laughs> and you know what? Thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Same pod time. Same pod channel.